Good evening, my friends, and welcome back to Hitchens on Horror. I am your host, Josh Hitchens, and we are continuing our series of 12 Nights of Terror, where we explore the best in holiday fear. And this is night number five. Uh, This is Silent Night, Deadly Night from 1984. Oh, this episode is a journey. Um, So, Silent Night, Deadly Night is one of the most controversial horror movies ever made. It came out in 1984. It was in theaters for 10 days and then pulled from distribution because of all of the outcry that came out of it. Um, And I'll get into that in a moment. But it's really unfortunate because I think this movie was hugely misunderstood at the time. Um, and it's only fair, you know, fairly recently, I think, that Silent Night, Deadly Night has been appreciated as the great horror movie that it is. It is not an easy watch, but it's a horror movie. It's not intended to be. But I think uh, it it's not just, you know, a gratuitous slasher film. Uh, it really has some serious intent behind it. Uh, which we'll get into. And this is really exciting uh, because Silent Night, Deadly Night is actually a movie that I watched for the very first time uh, in order to do this episode of the podcast. I have been aware of it for decades and decades, of, of course, but I just, it's one of those movies I just never got around to actually watching. Uh, I had seen its first sequel, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. There are actually five movies in the Silent Night, Deadly Night franchise, but only the first three uh, are tied together. The fourth and fifth sequels are really standalone Christmas horror stories, um, and they're all fun in their own ways. Uh, so I watched Silent Night, Deadly Night for the first time, uh, and I have a lot to say about it. Uh, so getting into the details of how the film was made first. Um, The story uh, was, the movie's based on an original idea uh, by Paul Kamey, who gets a story by credit in the um, opening credits. Uh, The actual screenplay was written by Michael Hickey, and the film was directed, and directed extremely well, in my opinion, by Charles E. Seller Jr. And it's really unfortunate that because of the huge controversy that this movie engendered when it was first released, it ended Charles E. Seller Jr.'s career as a director. He could not get another directing job after this film, but he remained in the film business. Uh, He turned primarily to producing um, and had a long, long uh, and successful career. But it's a shame that he never directed another film because this movie, I think, is beautifully done. Um, it's the shot, the way it is filmed is really haunting. It is sometimes extremely brutal and in your face, um, but also at times very beautiful. Um, and again, I think has serious intent behind it. Uh, the film uh, was made for a budget of only $75,000. And during the 10 weeks it was 
in theaters. It made $2.5 million. Uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night opened on the very same day as a little movie called A Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, written and directed by a guy named Wes Craven, who you may have heard of. Uh, and Silent Night, Deadly Night outgrossed, hugely outgrossed, A Nightmare on Elm Street in just the 10 days that it was in theaters. Um, of course, Nightmare on Elm Street went on to be a huge box office success and a classic in its own right. Um, but the studio estimated that if Silent Night, Deadly Night had had its regular theatrical run as it was supposed to have, it would have made about $20 million, which, considering it cost uh, uh, $750,000 to make, is hugely impressive. Um, the controversy for this film really started in two ways. One is its iconic poster um, with a Santa Claus coming down the chimney of a house holding a gigantic axe uh, with the tagline, you made it through Halloween, now try and survive Christmas. Um, but the thing that really, really calls the outcry for this film were its um, television commer commercials leading up to the film's release, which all focused on... Um, a killer dressed as Santa Claus holding various weapons. And these commercials aired on primetime television when children would perhaps be watching. And there was a huge concern by parents all across the United States of America that this movie would cause children to be afraid of Santa Claus. Um, and it's really kind of ridiculous to think of this controversy now um because there had been killer santa movies before this one it's not like this was the first one um as we've already talked about on this series of the podcast tales from the crypt in 1972 12 years before this film had its sequence and all through the house featuring a killer santa claus and just four years before silent night deadly night Christmas Evil came out, also featuring a killer Santa Claus. Um, both of those great films we've talked about already in this series. So it's not like Silent Night, Deadly Night was doing something that was brand new. Um, Christmas Evil, when it came out, kind of didn't really engender any controversy at all. I think it kind of flew under the radar um, and has since been reevaluated as the classic that it is. Um, but Silent Night, Deadly Night, people were outraged. Um, one of the producers of this film, uh, Ira Barmack, uh, gave an interview where he said, people have taken offense at Santa being used in a scary context. Santa Claus is not a religious figure. He's a mythic character. I didn't deliberately ride roughshod over that sensitivity, and I didn't anticipate the objection to it. And I think that's a very important point, that it's not like this is a Christmas horror movie that has... A, a serial killer dressed as Jesus Christ ki going around killing people with an axe and various other things. I'd watch the fuck out of that movie. Um, I don't know if anyone's done it. Um, well, uh, uh, the cult classic, uh, I think, Satan's Little Helper, which I talked about in 62 Horror Movies, which is set on Halloween. The killer in that does dress up as a very creepy Jesus for the uh, towards the very end of it, but you don't really see him killing people as Jesus. Anyway, um, you know, so I think that's a really interesting point in that Santa Claus, as the producer said, is a mythic figure. Santa Claus 
is not real. And all children eventually learn that Santa Claus is not real. Uh, and the outcry was so huge against this movie. Um, it was really led by the film critics Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel, um, who had their show and their column Siskel and Ebert, which was hugely, hugely popular and influential in the 1980s and 1990s. So when Siskel and Ebert really didn't like something, the public took notice, and they certainly took notice in this case with Silent Night, Deadly Night. Um, Gene Siskel actually on the air, on TV, read out loud the names of the producers and the cast and the crew and said, shame on you. And Roger Ebert um, also uh, uh, referenced the writer and the director of this film by name and said, again, on TV to an audience of millions, you have nothing to be proud of. Uh, so the it was so crazy how huge the controversy of this film was so much so that it was only in theaters for 10 days and then it was pulled um it's nuts um america the 80s were a very interesting time for censors for censorship uh in horror in particular you know both with this and you know there's the whole satanic panic nonsense that happened in the 1980s um yeah, and it's a shame this film fell victim to that censorship because it's great. Uh, there are two versions of this film that you can watch. Uh, for the theatrical release, the director cut six minutes of footage uh, so that it would be rated R and not rated X. Uh, so that when this film was released in theaters, as brief as it was, it was only 79 minutes long. Uh, so with the full uncut version which was restored decades later, uh, it then runs 85 minutes. And you can, I'll just get this out of the way now, you can watch um, both cuts of Silent Night, Deadly Night on the streaming service Tubi, T-U-B-Y, which is free. Um, and I highly recommend watching the unrated cut. Uh, the quality of the footage uh, of those deleted scenes is very grainy um, because the film itself had deteriorated after it had been, you know, languishing in the vaults of the studio for decades and decades. Uh, but it's been reinserted into the film, and I think it kind of adds to the creepiness of the movie because, you know, the film looks very pristine, but then with all the scenes and footage that was cut out, it then goes to this sort of grainy, out-of-focus um, camera, and it's almost like the film itself is deteriorating along with the main character, Billy's mind. Uh, and that footage that was cut, ooh boy, um, there's some, I mean, I, I'm personally not, like, a huge fan of gore, um, which might surprise some people, but, like, a lot of, like, crazy gore, like, doesn't really do much for me, um, but there, I have to say, there are some excellent, excellent um, special effects, practical special effects work in this movie with um, the kills. And they are very creative kills as well. Um, primarily, the killer Santa Claus in this movie does his murdering with an axe, but he also uses a knife. He strangles people, a person with Christmas lights. Uh, and most famously, I think... Um, the killer in this movie impales a topless Linnea Quigley 
on a pair of deer antlers. Um, and that is an incredible shot. I mean, and the cam and the uncut version, the camera lingers, goes right there as you see the antlers coming through her flesh and through her breasts. Um, and Linnea Quigley is an is one of those actors who is in a million um, '80s horror movies. And I think it's a general rule that if it's an 80s horror movie that stars either Linnea Quigley or Tom Atkins, you watch it um, because it's it's going to be worth your time. Uh, and th- unlike Black Christmas, uh, where the makers of Black Christmas really want, did not want to objectify the women in the, the film and wanted them to be full-fledged human beings, here in 1984, Silent Night, Deadly Night, um, there's a lot, lot of female nudity, not, and not a lot of male nudity, um, which is a shame. Um, but Linnea Quigley, who was frequently uh, topless in many of the movies she made in the 80s, um, she, she has said in, in interviews when people have asked her about the amount of nudity she was asked to do in her 80s horror movie films, she said, hey, I was young, I loved my body, and I was proud of it, and I never did anything I didn't want to do. So, praise, praise to her. Um, I got to meet her um, at a, a horror convention this past July, which was super, super cool. But anyway, so uh, let's get to the story of this movie. Um, and I have, I do want to give a warning, and this is the first. Um, film in this series and in the history of this podcast, even with the 62 horror movie series, where I do think I need to give a warning uh, before you watch this movie. Uh, The first 25 minutes of this film in particular are hugely unpleasant to watch um, because it... Uh, it, similarly to Christmas Evil, kind of steals the structure of Christmas Evil. It begins with a flashback to a Christmas Eve uh, in 1971, where a um, little kid named Billy is riding to uh, with his mother and father and his baby brother, Ricky, um, to go see their grandpa. Um, and you later find, and you find out very quickly that they're going to see grandpa in a mental institution on Christmas Eve. Um, that's great for kids. Uh, and when they get there, grandpa is sitting basically catatonic. Um, and the parents are like, oh, grandpa doesn't know, doesn't even know we're here. And then Little Billy asked them, why did we come? Which is a very valid question. Uh, And then the parents and the baby go into the doctor's office to uh, go over grandpa's charts, and they leave little Billy alone with their insane grandpa, which, again, great choices being made all around. And then grandpa comes out of his catatonic state and tells Billy that Santa Claus punishes those who are naughty and that you should be scared of Santa if you're naughty, which is planting that idea in little Billy's head. Um, and then as the family is driving away from the mental institution, it's nighttime, they encounter a Santa Claus on the road. But this is not the real Santa, of course. This is a Santa who um, previously has held up a convenience store and shot and killed the owner. And uh, this killer, Santa Claus, kills both the mother uh, and the father, 
um, and attempt and also sexually assaults the mother all while Billy is watching hiding um, from the brush. So Billy sees Santa killing his parents, which understandably traumatizes him further. Um, and again, the movie does not shy away from the brutality of this. It is very, very hard to watch. Um, but again, I don't think it's to be gratuitous. I think it's for a reason, um, which I will get to as we go along as I tell the story of this film. So then the movie uh, cuts to three years later. We're in Christmas 1974, and Billy is now in a Catholic orphanage. Um, and I, I have to say, the movie takes way too long to tell you that Billy's, like, baby brother, who's literally a baby, um, is not also killed by the Santa Claus. You find out that he is also Ricky, um, who's uh, the ki- the ba- baby brother's name, is also in this orphanage. But it's a while before you find that out. So, like, you're watching this, and you're like, oh my god, did the murder Santa kill the baby, too? He, he doesn't. No child, um, no young children are harmed uh, in this film. Uh, and... The mother superior in this Catholic orphanage is hugely abusive, um, uh, is really ignorant to the trauma that Billy has experienced and the PTSD that he has experienced. And because it's Christmas time, Billy has nightmares, so the mother superior beats him and ties him to the and ties him to his bed at night. Um, it's really horrific behavior, and the producers and the creators of this film didn't anticipate the killer Santa Claus being controversial, because, like I have said, it had been done before, uh, but what they were anticipating was controversy because this film is extremely critical of the Catholic Church, um, because this Catholic orphanage is filled with abuse, um, Shout out to Gilmer McCormick uh, as Sister Margaret, who's throughout the entire movie the only person who understands and sees Billy's trauma and tries to help him, whereas the Mother Superior, uh, who is brilliantly played by Lillian Chauvin uh, as sort of pure evil, um, just wants to punish him. Uh, so, yeah, that all, all this is very unpleasant to watch, too, because um, there's this kid who clearly should be getting psychiatric help of some kind and in, instead just being forced to con- forced into situations that trigger um his his PTSD um and it ends with uh, the mother superior forcing billy to sit on santa's lap and little billy ends up decking santa claus which which is a pretty fun moment so it's like yes kid you yes you get out of this situation uh and then the third section of the movie begins when billy is 18 years old so again what i've described so far is the first 25 minutes of the movie and you're basically watching you know, both a child see his parents be brutally murdered and his mother be have her throat cut and then sexually assaulted by a Santa Claus. Um, not it's not fun, but you know that's that's kind of the point that this film is making. But then the third section of the movie um, that starts twenty five minutes in Billy is now eighteen years old and he's played by Robert Brian Wilson. 
and my God, is Robert Brian Wilson hot. Um, so that's helpful after the, you know, brutality of the first 25 minutes. Um, it's like, ooh, eye candy. So that that's nice. Um, Robert Brian Wilson, this was his first leading role in a film, his first major film role. And he's really great in it. He really anchors the movie. Um, and... It's a shame because because of the huge controversy that this film uh, engendered when it came out, he was very ashamed of his work, and he actively told his parents and his friends not to go see it um, because he was ashamed of what he had done. And it wasn't until about 30 years later when there was a 30th anniversary screening of the film that Robert Brian Wilson finally came around um, and participated and was finally feeling that he had been a part of something that he could be proud of. So there's a happy ending there. Um, and Robert Brian Wilson, uh, after he is let out of the Catholic, as Billy, after he gets let out of the Catholic orphanage at age 18, goes to work in um, a toy store, not unlike Christmas Evil, where the, trauma, where the traumatized kid um, goes to work in a toy factory. Um, not saying that Silent Night, Deadly Night is ripping off Christmas Evil necessarily, but it definitely took uh, its story structure as a template, and that's okay. Um, and again, at first things are going great at the toy store, but then Christmas time comes around, um, and every time Billy sees an image of Santa, it you know brings back those memories again. And finally, uh, because the original toy store Santa... Um, is not available. They ask Billy to be Santa Claus and put on the Santa suit, um, which triggers Billy's mental break and spiral into madness. Um, and I think one one of the interesting things about this film is that it it, it definitely critiques, I think, how parents and adults treat the myth of Santa Claus and how they subject their children to it, you know, because some children love Santa Claus and some children are absolutely fucking terrified of Santa Claus. I worked at a place, um, for a couple holiday seasons where there were, where there was a Santa because there's only one Santa. Everyone knows that. Uh, and like you just would hear the screams and crying of these children coming from the room. Um, and it, it, this movie kind of does make you think about that because, you know, when you think about it, you know, you're bringing your young, your young kid to this strange man whose face is obscured and you don't know who he is um, and you make your child sit on this guy's lap. It's kind of creepy when you think about it. Um, and I think this movie really kind of is a small indictment of that. And like, is this really a great thing to be doing? Especially if your child is freaked out and crying, maybe don't force them to sit on a strange older man's lap. Um, and, I, you know, as I'm talking about Silent Night, Deadly Night, it is a very brutal film, um, very graphic film in terms of its gore and nudity um, and its kills. But there, it, there is some humor um, in it. There are some great lines. Um, and one of those lines is when 
there's a little girl who's sitting on Billy's lap as he's Santa Claus and she's crying and he says and he says he's trying to get her to be quiet and he's like don't you realize what you're doing you're being naughty right on Santa's lap which who yeesh um but yeah uh <laughs> that's there um and then there's uh it's it's Christmas Eve and the toy store is having its holiday party and the own the manager of the toy store at uh, lock finally locks the doors and then turns to his employees and said it's finally over let's all get shit faced um, and it is at that Christmas Eve party where Billy finally is is triggered into really losing his mind and thinks he is Santa Claus and feels that it is his job as Santa to punish because that is what Billy has been taught. That is what Billy was taught by his grandfather. That is what Billy was taught by the mother superior in the Catholic orphanage, that if you are bad, you punish. Um, so it's not it, it's not like he gets these ideas from nowhere. You know, this this is what the system has told him. Um, this traumatized man um, who has had a horrific, horrific background. Um, and no one helps him um, except for Sister Margaret, who tries her best to help him. Um, but even she can't. So once Billy loses it, um, he really loses it. He kills four people uh, in about ten minutes. Uh and then goes on to kill five more people. He kills nine people in total. Um, this film has a very high body count for such a short movie. Um, Fourteen people in total are killed in this film, but only nine of them are killed by Billy himself. Um, and, you know, Billy kills the folks at the toy store, goes to the house next door, um, where there are two teenagers babys babysitting a little girl named Cindy, um, who's in an adorable quilted, like, Christmas robe thing. Uh, and, of course, being an 80s horror movie, the teenagers, Tommy and Denise, um, Denise, played by Linnea Quigley, are trying to have sex for some reason on top of a pool table, which can't be comfortable. Um, not that I would know from experience, uh, or anything like that, uh, but, uh, again, uh, Linnea Quigley is topless for much of this, and Cindy comes down, and Linnea Quigley's like, Cindy, if you don't go back upstairs, Santa won't come, and her boyfriend Tommy says, yeah, he's not the only one, which is kind of funny, and needed a bit of humor, um, then they hear jingling, and, uh, Linnea Quigley as Denise is like, oh, I've got to go let in the cat, which, like, what fam, what family lets their cat out in, like, the middle of December? That sucks. Um, so Denise then goes to, to the front door to let in the cat. Of course, she doesn't put on her shirt. Why would you? It's an 80s slasher movie. Um, tits out at all times. Um, but great for Linnea Quigley. Uh, and we already talked about the kill that happens. Um, Billy then, uh, uh, he's in the woods, uh, and sees, um, two, two younger kids being bullied by two mean, nasty older kids, and, uh, Billy then decapitates one of the bullies as he's sliding down a hill, as the kid is sliding down a hill on a sleigh, and in a really, really great shot, um, you see the bu the bully 
Ben's body come down the hill on the sleigh without his head, and then his head rolls down. Um, that's a really great shot. Uh, yeah, and then we go back to the orphanage, um, the or you know, which is the site of Bill of Billy's trauma and where he was abused by this mean mother superior. Um, I'm a little mad that. Billy doesn't actually get to kill the Mother Superior. Sorry for spoilers, but whatever. Um, because the Mother Superior's really the only person in this movie who really deserves to be killed, um, where Billy would be, would you know, perhaps be justified in killing her, but she survives. Um, and what surprised me most of all, um, as I watched Silent Night, Deadly Night for the first time uh, in preparation for recording this podcast is that the ending made me cry. Um, because, you know, of course, Billy is, final, is finally shot, again, in front of all these children, including his little brother, Ricky, uh, who's still at the orphanage. And as he's dying in the arms of sister Margaret, um, oh, I'm getting emotional. Um, Billy says, you're safe now, children. Santa's gone. And... That's where I think this movie is is so understood, you know, because I I've only heard about it throughout my lifetime as being this like very violent, super controversial movie, and that's sort of the reputation that it has. And whenever this movie is re-released on DVD or Blu-ray, all the advertising, everything that's talked about is how brutal and controversial this movie is, and nobody talks about I <sighs> I think what this movie really is about in that it is a case study of what happens to children who are subjected to deep pain and trauma early in their lives and when they don't get the help that they need, when the adults don't help them, when they see what's happening, they see that this is clearly a troubled child, a child in pain, and they don't fucking do anything to help. And so I think this movie is ultimately a tragedy. Um, I really, really admire this film a lot um, for what it does, because not only is does it give you everything you want in a Christmas killer Santa movie, the kills are really creative, it's beautifully shot, hugely evocative of Christmas, but this movie also really has something to say. And it's a shame that it was that message, which I think is conveyed so beautifully by the screenwriter and the director and the actors. I, it's a deep shame that that message was ignored um, and I think still is underappreciated. But that's why I'm excited for you all to watch it and why I'm excited to talk about it because... This movie is a journey, it is a wild ride, and it's not the one I expected it to be. Um, this is a much richer, much deeper film than I anticipated, while also giving you, you know, great Christmas slasher, murder, Santa horror. Um, highly recommend it. Um, as I said, be warned, like, it's not an easy watch, especially the first 25 minutes, um, but it's worth it. I think this is a great, great movie. Watch it, my friends.
my friends. Thank you so much for joining me once again for Hitchens on Horror and our series 12 Nights of Terror exploring the best in holiday fear. And we are going to continue our journey through the best in Christmas horror tomorrow night, and we're going to go international um, with a movie who, it's a French film, its original title is 3615 Code Père Noël, also known as Dial Code Santa Claus, also known as Deadly Games, um, was the inspiration for Home Alone. Um, we'll talk more about that next time. Thank you for joining me. See you tomorrow night. Happy holidays. <laughs>